Yo, yo, welcome to a special emergency edition of the Clip City Podcast. I'm your host, Yovan Buha, Clippers beat writer for The Athletic. Today, I am joined by Mo DeKeel to break down the shocking news, the stunning news of the Clippers and Doc Rivers mutually parting ways, uh, according to the team. Uh, this just happened you know, less than an hour and a half ago. Uh, I've been trying to process it, calling people, texting people. Uh, Mo, first off, how are you doing? And second off, where what what are your first thoughts here? What where are you at with all of this? Were you about to ask me where was I when the news broke? <laughs> what were you doing? <laughs> it's like the JFK assassination. <laughs> I mean, I'm stu- like to be honest, I'm stunned. I, I tweeted it out. Like I, I had had some conversations with people recently on on just some of the kind of postseason stories I've been working on and. Uh, everyone was you universally in agreement that like Doc was going to get another year. It was like you know, yes, it was bad. Yes, he's blown two one, uh, two three one series leads in LA and, and three overall. But Doc is Doc is Doc. Like he's one of the most successful and famous basketball coaches of all time. Um, you know, he's been the face of this franchise really for the last seven years. I mean, you know, Blake and, and Chris have gone. Um, you know, Kawhi's came, uh, but like. Doc has been the outward voice of the franchise and and just to kind of see him depart after this, it, it is a bit shocking. Yeah. So, you know, it's one of those things. It, it did catch me completely off guard. Here I am trying to enjoy my, my day off a little bit with no <laughs> hoops. Uh, I'm kind of trying to relax a little bit, trying not to do much on Twitter. And then of course, Woj drops the bomb. It is shocking. Cause I'm with you. I actually think, don't necessarily agree with this unless there's a little more underlining stuff. But if it's just straight away bomber, excuse me, if it's just straight away bomber decided to make this decision and pull the plug on doc, I think he deserved another year with this team. I mean, there's a lot of things that went on this year. I think, you know, we, we, you and I have both been very critical on this podcast about doc and his decision-making, but ultimately I always kind of came back to like, well, who are you going to replace him with? who's a better fit for this team. And I thought, you know, for the time being, I thought they should have just rode with it with doc, but it is surprising and certainly shocking news. And for all his warts. And I know there's an element out there of people saying docs overrated, you know, he's still a hell of an NBA coach people. Well, uh, apparently we weren't critical enough because there's been a lot of Clipper fans coming at me on Twitter about um, basically not calling for docs head, which I, I really think as a media member, um, that's not really that. my place, you, you can't know, do it's, that. it's not no. like, it, especially it's like, okay, if I, if I call for doc's head and then he's the coach next season, that kind of makes that dynamic awkward. But I, where I was at with it was, I thought either side was justifiable. Um, I, I did think that, uh, you know, w- with, I, I, I think it would have been one thing had the Clippers, gotten their butts like let's say denver beat them in five and it was just like you know like denver's clearly the better team um you know the the clippers just weren't on the same page and you know you know let's say they make some adjustments and like those adjustments still don't work and and denver just outs them or they advance to the conference finals and get their butts kicked by the lakers like i think that is a a kind of one thing but for them to blow the 3-1 lead, for it to be the third time Doc has done it when no other coach has done it more than once, and it's only happened 13 times total in NBA history, like that to me does suggest, 
I don't know if it's a failure to adjust mid-series. I don't know if it's um, a, a confidence thing where, where you know, Doc-led teams are maybe overconfident, um, uh, you know, or, or bordering on arrogant or, or something. But whatever it is, like, this has not happened with Phil Jackson. This has not happened with Greg Popovich. This has not happened um, with, with the greatest NBA coaches in, in history. And, and Doc is right at that cusp, right? Like, Doc is you know, Pat Riley as well. Like doc is not at that level, but he, he, he's in that second tier, you know, and, and I know fans will disagree with that. He only has one title and has only made the finals twice. But like, when you actually look at his body of work, how long he's been coaching, the success he's had in Boston and LA, uh, the fact that he has won a championship, the fact that he has made the finals, uh, how many playoff wins he has, how many regular season wins he has, like doc has, you know, is probably a, a, a top 10 coach of all time. And isn't out far outside the top five, uh, you know, top five, top seven. So he is like kind of, you know, he's unimpeachable. Like you, you cannot disregard his body of work at the same time. I think specifically looking at his tenure in LA, I personally feel the Lob City teams never overachieved. They always met expectations or underachieved them. You know, th- th- he had the, the 2019 season, which was a great story. And similar to that, you know, his first year in Orlando, but then this season's team obviously underachieved. So I, I just think, you know, if you go by his overall body of work and, and really look, especially in Boston, there's a lot of good stuff. And, and you know, he had the 09 run where, where they almost made the conference finals without Kevin Garnett. Um, they had the 2010 run where they made the finals 2012. They almost beat the heat and, and made the finals. Like, so he's had some really successful playoff runs. I just think when specifically looking at LA, they never made the conference finals and like, you know, they, they never overachieved with a contending team. They only overachieved with the middling, you know, kind of lottery level teams. And I, I just think at some point, like that caught up to him, you know, six seasons in the playoffs and, and never making conference finals when really three or four of those seasons, they had a really, really good chance to do it and, and probably should have. And for it to not happen at least once, you know, I, again, I would have been okay with them keeping him. I would have been okay with them letting him go. I, I just, I, I feel like there's an argument to be made that he did underachieve as the Clippers coach overall in his tenure. Tenure. Yeah, I think here's the most important thing. The way I kind of just put it, Doc's error with the Clippers is, you know, he achieved success in changing the f- way the organization is viewed. Hundred percent. You know. He's changed it. Everybody believes now in the Clippers. Now Bombers there, and nobody's looking at them as the same old, same old Clippers, right? Like Bombers pouring in dollar after dollars into this to make sure this is a team that really becomes something and has a chance to win a championship. Ultimately, and this is going to sound a bit harsh, he failed on the court, you know, for a variety of reasons. Sometimes it was injuries. Sometimes he just couldn't get the guys to work together. Sometimes it was, uh, just bad timing with injury. Uh, I've said injuries already, but just sort of bad luck in general. And then this year was the year. None of that was supposed to matter because they were the most talented team. And they, you know, I've said it many times. They took this season for granted. They took the importance of the regular season for granted. I think they won about it arrogantly and it ended up coming to bite them in the ass in the end. And I think, you know, heads are going to roll. I don't think this is the first major change happening within this team. I think we're going to, this is probably the first of many things that are going to happen over the offseason for the Clippers that we're going to see things. I think it's going to be a very different Clipper team coming back next season. 
And, and to your point, to, to something you just said, you, you mentioned on the court, right? And, and I think overall, Doc, you know, they, they had those first two seasons where there were 56, 57 wins. Um, you know, both those seasons, they made the conference semifinals. OKC, they blew game five uh, and ended up losing that in six. That was more on, on Chris Paul than Doc, but, you know, uh, then they, they have the Houston series that they, they blow that 3 1, and, and they had this postseason blow that 3 1. So, like, I think what, where we, we have to give Doc his proper and much deserved credit is, like you said, uh, you know, changing the perception of the franchise, giving them a, a sign of le- legitimacy. I mean, they traded a first round pick for Doc. Like, you know, people forget that. Like, this was not just a normal. Uh, coaching hiring like they actually traded a pick to Boston to get Doc and, and that was where his value was at that time and again um, coming off multiple Eastern Conference Finals runs with that Celtics team a championship you know potentially could have won a second championship had Kendrick Perkins not gone down in 2010 so I, I think you know he he really maximized his time in Boston I think um, his time in LA was a bit more checkered in, in terms of just they never were able to get over the hump, whether it was injuries, whether it was their you know locker room chemistry uh, with, with Lob City or with this team. Like th- there was always some extra stuff that that came with it. But off the court is where Doc deserves all the credit in the world because he held it down for this franchise during the Donald Sterling scandal. Um, you know he he's been one of the most outspoken coaches, not just in the NBA but in in American you know North American sports in in general. With the racial and social justice, um, you know, issues in this country, and and speaking out uh, against different things, and, and in support of different things, and um, you know, he's really taken that mantle as you know, it's kind of like him and, and Greg Popovich, Steve Kerr, like th- those are the three that come to mind. I think when you're really thinking about outspoken uh, coaches in the NBA and in the sports world at large, so I think Doc. Um, you know, one of his greatest things has been his ability to be a leader off the court. Um, and you've always heard that with him. Like he he does have that kind of charming politician like personality. And, and he's always been a player's coach where, you know, for the most part, most players that have played for him loved playing for him and, and really enjoyed their relationship with him. So I think while this decision ultimately came down to the on the court results and the repeated you know, I think failure to meet expectations off of the court. Doc is as good of a, a guy and as good of a coach as there is in the NBA. Um, in, in just with regards to his, his social justice work, um, his, his, you know, the, the, the racial issues and, and him just, you know, being a good guy and, and connecting with people and being a true leader. And I, I think as we remember the Doc tenure, we, we have to give that the proper light that it deserves because that is a big part of his story and especially his story in L.A. Yeah, I mean, he was the ambassador of the organization. But let's get into the other stuff of it, too, now. You know, like, I don't think the Clippers make this move unless they get the green light from Kawhi Leonard or or maybe even Paul George. I don't know how much sway Paul has with the organization anymore (laughs) with some of the stuff that's come out in terms of the, the, the locker room issues. But, you know, I'm very curious you know, and maybe we're never going to find out, but I'd love to know how, how involved were those guys in the decision? Did they have a say or, you know, I, I honestly got to believe in, and you said it to me before the call, you know, if Kawhi's like, nah, he's my guy, he's still coaching the team. 
Yeah, and and what was interesting was um, Yahoo Sports Chris Haynes with, with that report about the Paul George Montrez Harrell friction in, in Game Two of the Denver series. Um, you know, had a little nugget at the end of his story that I was surprised. You know, it got picked up on Clippers Twitter. Didn't really make the masses, but it. You know, essentially, I'm paraphrasing here, but was essentially saying like, you know, Kawhi's on board with. You know, Kawhi still trusts Doc, and and Doc is expected to be back next season. And I think that is a pretty you know big sign off of you know we, we know how important Kawhi is to this franchise. We know how much they gave up to get him. You know, with the Paul George trade and and with all the pieces that they moved and kind of all they've done during the season. So for that to have been reported, like you know, you you would assume that came directly from Kawhi or or his camp. You know, I, I don't. You know, Chris is one of the best reporters in the business, and he's not going to say something like that without having that from that party. So, you know, for that to, to kind of come out and, and then for this to happen, you know, I don't know if it was, a, you know, maybe changing the mind or, or whatever. But I, I do think with Kawhi and PG being potentially one year away and, and really less than a year, depending on what happens with the NBA schedule, um, you know, from free agency, you, you got to think they ran this by at least Kawhi at a minimum, if not both. And while again, you know, I'm already seeing people on Twitter trying to blame Kawhi. And it's like, I, I don't necessarily think Kawhi was like, you know, get rid of Doc, but right. it, you got to think they ran it by him, said, hey, this is what we're thinking. Would you be okay with this? You know, are you against it? What are your thoughts? And, and maybe he was 50 50. Maybe, you know, I, I don't know what he said. Um, you know, maybe we'll learn of that in the coming days. But I, I do think that there's no way he said, I'm leaving if you fire Doc and they fire Doc. So like, right. <laughs> that's kind of like uh, wh- where things are at, I think. Yeah, and I think that's kind of it. Like I, I highly doubt he laid out the ultimatum and I don't think it's anything more than that. I think it's just, you know, we, we tend to do this a lot to players, to star players and, and try to label guys as coach killers and things like that. I don't think that was it. I, I'm, I'm not surprised... I'm surprised that they fired him, but I'm not surprised changes are being made. You know, like I had heard over the year, you know, when they signed these guys that Bomber kind of made it clear if things didn't work out, there would be changes. I never expected this to be Doc, you know, and and I think that's kind of one of those things that it, it it's a bit surprising. I thought it might be some of the staff might change or things like that. They might try to upgrade there and so on. But this is really... Uh, a shock. I mean, even now it's still two hours after the fact and I'm kind of stumbling a little bit trying to figure everything out. But we got to look on now next, man. Who, Who's next? Like, this is going to be the real interesting thing because this is a big, big hire for Bomber and it's the very first time he's gone through this process. So to me, um, I think this vaults to the number one coaching availability on the market. Um, I think you know, every job has its pros and cons. No job is perfect uh, unless you're getting like the, the, the KD Steph Warriors. Um, you know, if they'd gotten like rid of Kerr in the middle of that run and they were looking for someone like, OK, maybe that's a perfect job. Um, but, you, you know, I, I do think that compared to I, I, I'm trying to think off the top of my head that I, I know it's, it's Houston, Philly, New Orleans, OKC and Indiana. I think those are the other five. Um, like to me, clearly, uh, LA presents, you know, you have a contending roster 
I, I do think that the Clippers roster is better than Philly's roster is better than Houston's roster is better than New Orleans. There's roster. no arguing that. There's no arguing. And, and, there's no arguing that. And, and then of course, I, I think there's a clear gap between like them and OKC and Indiana. Um, I, I think you have as good of a front office as any of those teams have. Um, you know, I actually think there are some quality front offices in that pool, but I, I would say the Clippers are at the, you know, either number one or neck and neck with whoever you want to place number one. Um, I think, you know, Steve Ballmer during his tenure has proven to be one of the better and more aggressive and, and, and willing to spend owners in the league and, you know, would put him at the top of the ownership. Um, and then you have Kawhi, who to me is the best player out of any of those teams. Uh, and then Kawhi and PG are, are probably, in my opinion, the best tandem of any of those teams. So, um, you know, yes, the Clippers are going to have to do some restructuring. I think they're going to have to uh, change up the bench a, a little bit. I, I think they might have to change up some of the core pieces. But Kawhi Leonard plus Paul George plus that front office plus Steve Ballmer plus the LA market, which I, I think is the you know best market probably. Just it's it's the biggest and it, it's going to be the best for attracting free agents. And you know, I, I just think all of that package into one makes it the most appealing job. With that said, this is a win-now situation. And you're seeing with Doc Rivers losing in the second round, and it was an embarrassing fashion blowing a 3-1 lead, but with Doc losing and with everything he had built up with this organization, you got to think that, like, I mean, I don't know if they would fire another coach after one year. Like, it would depend how bad it got. But you are on the hot seat almost immediately in terms of, like, you have to at least make the conference finals finals at a minimum. And that might not even be enough. Like you might have to actually win the title to really have security in that, in that, you know, role moving forward, because for the Clippers, it is, we're a year away from Kawhi and PG potentially opting out and leaving if they're not happy. And if this team loses in the second round, back to back years or loses second round and and then conference finals, like, I don't know if you keep Kawhi and PG. I mean, I I personally think they're both going to stay, but, or, or maybe the Clippers will move, PG at some point, depending on how he does next season. But like, I, I don't know. So I, I think, how do you view it? You know, put your coaching hat on, put your put your video scout um, hat on. Like, how, how do you view the job and, and kind of what needs to go into whoever they hire next? Well, first it comes down to, you know, where this job ranks. This is, you said it best. This is a high pressure situation. You're coming in and it's expected to win a championship your very first year. That is a very difficult proposition to go into. And, you know, we're going to watch it right now. Frank Vogel with the Lakers is in the finals. So that's, you know, the the bar has been set. Even if they don't win the finals, they got to the finals in his very first year. So there's an expectation that needs to be met for whoever comes in and takes this job. So that's going to be the first and foremost. I honestly think you need somebody that's creative and clever and willing to go outside the box of things. I think, you know, we saw it with Doc, not willing to change his rotations, was very stubborn with what he did. X's and O's in sort of, excuse me, X's and O's in terms of the plays they ran and everything they they did. I actually thought that that was fine. You know, I, I think the other things of getting the continuity with the guys, which isn't all on Doc just because guys miss so much time but also it's part on doc because they don't practice as much as they should. You know, I think there's some of that. You need a coach that could come in, command respect, and, you know, think outside the box, create things, and and so on. And I'm just going to tell you, Yovan, right now, they already got the guy. He's already on the bench. 
I think the guy for the perfect guy for this job is Tyron Lue. You know, he coached LeBron. He did it. He won a title in Cleveland. In his I think, first season. In his first season. I As think he's. Coach. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think he doesn't get enough respect as good as he is with the X's and O's. I think we always kind of like to say, oh, he just had LeBron. Well, you know who also had LeBron? Eric Spolstra. Where are the Miami Heat playing? Oh, they're playing in the finals also. Yeah. You know, and so I think we kind of try to constantly dismiss some of these really good coaches just because they had a superstar player. And I think, you know, Ty's the kind of guy that can relate to players. He still he was a player not too long ago. You know, I think it was what, maybe it's like 12 years now at this point, but still he can relate to these guys. He already knows the mistakes that were made this past season because he was there on the staff. And I think he's kind of the perfect fit for this team. And it's kind of an easy situation to sort of slide him into it. And listen, he was he's going to be a head coach next year, whether it's with the Clippers or with somebody else. Somebody's going to snag him. And I think it makes the most sense for the Clippers to take a guy who's been in this exact situation before. The only way I can be deemed a success is take this team to the finals. And he did it in Cleveland, and he's going to have to probably do it with L.A. if he gets the job. And I think that's kind of the perfect guy for them. Do, do you think it would be an issue at all for Ty um, to basically replace Doc, you know, because they are so close, because he was on Doc's staff in Boston and uh, one season, his first season in L.A.? Like, do, do you think that would be awkward at all? Would it be a little weird? Um, because also, I mean, this would be the second time Ty has been promoted to head coach after being an assistant coach on that very staff. Um, and, and I don't know how you read into that at all, but like, I think that would be, I, I don't know. Like, I, I wonder, I mean, I'm sure doc would give him his blessing and, and probably want, I know he wants Ty to be a head coach. So whether it's with the Clippers or elsewhere, he, you know, he, he's going to support him, but I, I do wonder if that's a little weird or awkward or, or, or maybe not. And, and maybe that's just kind of a, a media narrative. I think that's just a media narrative, to be honest with you. I don't think, and it's not a matter of Ty takes this job. Him and Doc aren't going to talk anymore. He's not. He didn't go behind Doc's back and and stab him in the back to get this job. You know, we 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 know of a few coaches who have done that before in the past. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to name names, uh, but uh, you know. So I think you know for Ty, it's not that. It's maybe it's a sense of loyalty for him, but ultimately, there are only thirty jobs, only thirty head coaching jobs in the NBA. And so few of them, you can walk right in and say, we have a chance to win the championship right now. You know, it's it's that simple. And I think it's an opportunity that he really couldn't pass up if it comes his way. I think this is something that you, you, the narrative and the loyalty side of it, like I think we kind of stress it too much. This happens a lot in coaching. Mm-hmm. You know, the head coach gets fired. The interim coach takes over, has a successful run. Next thing you know, he's the head coach. I mean, Nate McMillan took over for Frank Vogel. Was it Frank Vogel? I forgot who the coach was at the time. Uh, Lawrence right. Lawrence Frank took over for Eddie Jordan. This is way back in the New Jersey uh, days. For, for me, it was more. It was more of not necessarily it being a unique. It was not a unique situation because of just him replacing him, but more of just like he's kind of been. I mean, Doc is. For but his mentor. Work, but his mentor. I mean, it's yeah, his mentor. No, no, I, I get all that, but I just don't think you pass up on the opportunity to do that. And I think Doc would yell at him yeah. if, if he no. tried to, so, you know? Let, let's say, because Ty, um, you know, 
kind of has his his pick of the litter right now with, you know, he, he's been mentioned as a, a top candidate for Houston, for New Orleans, for Philly, um, you know, now for this Clippers position. Uh, Jeff Van Gundy was another name that was thrown out, which I, I, I don't know how I feel about that. I, I like Jeff as a coach and I, you know, definitely like him as an analyst. I wonder if he's a little too old school for this team. And I, I think if anything, one of my criticisms of Doc was that he was a, a pretty old school coach in, in terms of, you know, not really valuing the three pointer, um, you know, in, in, in I, I think you had to embrace a, a mid range heavy attack with, with just some of the personnel. But I also felt this team, you know, guys like Landry Shamit, Pat Beverly, P- Paul George, um, you know, uh, Jermichael Green, like they had some guys who were above average in that 38 to 42% three point range, uh, that I, I think were, were not kind of in, empowered as much as they should have been to shoot threes. And I, I think there was, um, you know, I, I don't, I stopped tracking this, but there was a point in the season where when this team shot over 35 threes, uh, I think they were 25 and four. And you you could link that to ball movement. You could link that to like a bunch of things, you know, a, a bad defense that they're facing. But, you know, I did think a part of that was just when this team took a bunch of threes, they, they were much more difficult to, to defend than when they were doing their ISOs and their post-ups and the mid-post and, and stuff like that. So to me, I, I would like to see a more modern coach, a, a, you know, and it, you don't go D'Antoni shooting 60 threes a night, but I do think there's a way to balance it where you do have a little bit more modern principles offensively. Um, you know, th- this was one of the least assisted teams in the league, one of the, the fewest passing teams in the league. And, and part of that was the personnel, but I also think part of it was their offensive system. So I would like to see a more modern approach. I, I'm sure maybe Jeff Van Gundy can tweak things and do that. I, I just don't know, you know, a, a lot of his stuff to me does seem a little bit more old school, but uh, besides those two, like I look at the coaching market and I'm like, this is my thing to fans. Cause you know, fans were like fire doc, fire doc, fire doc. It's not a great coaching market right now, you know, in, in my opinion. And I just, you know, as we're discussing, you have to be a big name, in my opinion, someone that Kawhi and PG will both buy into, someone that some of the more difficult personalities in that locker room, if they keep some of those players, will buy into, and you have to win now, and you have to be able to handle that pressure and, and manage all those egos and personalities. And it's like, that's a short list. That, that's not some random assistant coach that you're going to pick off of a coaching staff somewhere. Like that has to be someone who's coached, who has a bit of a name, who has gravitas. Like I just, I don't think that's just a you know random coach X. You know, I, you know, I don't think you're finding a Nick Nurse here. Like I, I, I think it's, I think it is a Ty Lue. It is maybe a Van Gundy, but I don't know who else it could be. You know, I'm gonna I don't throw. Think Anthony, I, I, I'm, I'm go gonna ahead. throw one name in there, and 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 I'm not sure how confident I am in it. Let's hear it. But I wouldn't be mad at Stan Van Gundy taking this job. I think he's innovative. I think we we don't give him enough credit for what he did with the Orlando Magic when he took them to the finals. You got to remember, he had Richard Lewis spacing out and shooting threes. Like he had it all spread out. It was four out and one in with Dwight Howard playing the center position. I think he's very analytically inclined. I think he's evolving with the times and and so on and I think he's a bit of a tough coach, and I think maybe that might wear on guys. But ultimately, I think he's just – he's a rock-solid coach right now, 
And you said it, the market's bare. If it's not going to be Ty Lue, who I think should get the job, they might want to take a peek and see what Stan Van Gundy has. And, you know, no offense to Jeff Van Gundy. I just think right now he'd probably be the higher coaching prospect for me on the Van Gundy family list. You know, might go Stan, then Jeff. Uh, I don't know if there's a third Van Gundy, so I don't know if I can raise <laughs> raise that above Jeff. But uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm with you. I, I actually think between the two, I, I for sure would lead Stan. I, I think that um, he obviously, you know, was embracing modern principles. You, you look at that 2009 Orlando team, um, you know, the, the Detroit stuff was a little, it's a little hard to hold that against him when that was such a, you know, that he was not set up well. It was the uh, ultimate flaw there. It was, it yeah. was the same thing Doc fell into. He was the team president as well. Mm. Well, I mean, I, I just also think like with, with the roster that they had and, and he, like he, even disassociating his personnel moves as the president, um, you know, so, so part of it was his own fault, but like just kind of what he was dealing with to begin with and, and kind of the resources that they had to improve. Uh, I, I don't think, you know, I, I don't think he made the best of the situation, but I also don't think many coaches would have been able to, you know, I, I think it would have been a very, very short list that could have gotten more out of it. So I, I you know, yeah, I mean, I, I think between the two Van Gundy's, I would lean Stan. I, I just, again, like I'm looking at the, the coaching market and I'm like, um, you know, guys like Sam Cassell, who, who was an assistant coach on the staff, um, you know, Chauncey Billups has been another name thrown out, not, not for the Clippers, but for the Indiana job. And, and as just a, a coaching candidate, like I, I just, I think those guys might be able to manage the personalities better. I, I just don't know, again, like your first coaching gig throwing you into that fire. Um, because next season, the whole narrative is going to be like, you know, is this Clippers team better? What changes did they make? Like, you know, and it's almost going to be like, you have to prove it in the playoffs. Like no one's going to, and already there was an element of that this season, but like no one's going to care what they do in the regular season. They could be the one seed. They could win 60 games. If it's back to an 82 game season, like, no one's going to care until you get to really the second round of the playoffs. And it's going to be, can you make the conference finals? So kind of dealing with that pressure and that scrutiny and, and all the narratives and stuff that's going to come with it. I think that's tough for any first year head coach. So I, I do think that um, whoever they, they hire, it probably has to be a guy who's, who's won somewhere. Um, it, it has to be a, a, you know, a name that carries some weight. And uh, you know, I, I think I'm with you. I think Ty Lue is the best, candidate right now and, and maybe he's the answer uh, I, I just think you know if they luck out and get him you know maybe there have been some prior conversations and, and maybe that's already been in the works but um, you know to go into this coaching market right now I don't think it's a great market and even guys like the Van Gundys I mean Jeff hasn't coached in over a decade you know an NBA team and, right. and Stan has been out now for for a year so it's like you're still kind of going with with coaches who you know, it's not like you're replacing them with, with someone that is, you know, it's not, you're not replacing, you're not replacing Vinny Del Negro with doc rivers. Exactly. You're not doing that. There's no upgrade. I I don't think there's an upgrade of that magnitude. Right. And I think that's, that's ultimately the, the big thing and why I think both of us are so shocked that they, they let that go. Yeah. Um, any other final thoughts here before we wrap up? Uh, no, I'm still stunned. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm stuck. Like I, I, I got a text from a buddy who, who's a big Clippers fan. Um, shout out to John, and he just said "whoa," and I was like, <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I was like, did I actually tweet? Did I accidentally tweet something? Like that? I was like, what? What just happened? That I, I saw the Woj notification. I was like, wow. Like uh, it took me because 
I, yeah, I mean, I, I think to kind of finish with what we discussed at the beginning, I just thought, you know, Doc, I, sometimes with some of these situations, it's tricky because someone gets so famous. Like Doc, Doc is one of the most famous coaches in sports, right? Like he, right. he kind of, um, you know, currently in the NBA, aside from maybe Greg Popovich, he might be the most famous. I mean, it's it's like him, Pop, and Kerr are kind of, I, I think, the three most famous coaches at least. Um, and, and, you know, not that that necessarily means you're a good coach, but Doc is famous in part because he's been such a good coach and, and won a championship. Um, but like to, you know, to have that kind of, uh, again, to use the word for a second time, gravitas and, and, and to, you know, be that level of a figure and then to, to have a situation end like this where he only got one year with the Kawhi PG partnership. Uh, you know, it, it is surprising. You know, I, I thought he would get two years. Everyone I talked to told me he would get two years. Uh, that was the expectation. So um, to, to, to have it end like this, it, it's shocking. But look, this is how this this is how this organization operates. Like the Blake trade, the Tobias trade, the Paul George trade. Uh, now letting go of Doc, like it, they always move in silence. And um, you know, it, it's it's just how they operate. So I, I think I, I guess it surprises me, but it also doesn't surprise me because. You know, it wasn't ever going to get out that they were letting go of Doc because that's not how they operate. Yeah, no, it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting to see how this whole thing shakes up. All right, Mo. Well, where can people find you on Twitter, and where can they read your work and listen to your work on the Athletic? Well, I'm all over. (laughs) Please, (laughs) Uh, I'm all over podcasts on the Athletic, from the Daily Ding to Nerder. She wrote that's part of the NBA show. Uh, Brody and the Beard, where we talk about the Houston Rockets. Uh, you can find my writings on Bleacher Report and follow me on Twitter at Modakil underscore NBA. That's M O D A K H I L underscore NBA. Well, thank you, Mo, for coming on doing this emergency pod. As always, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Yovan Buha. That's at J O V A N B U H A. If you have not subscribed to this podcast yet, you can do so on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or on the Athletic app. If you have not subscribed to the Athletic app, you can do so at theathletic.com slash Google, or you could subscribe off of one of my articles off of Twitter. That would help me out, help the Athletic out. Uh, But thank you guys for listening. This was a insane emergency podcast. I'm still in shock. I still can't believe this. I will be back uh, later in the week, potentially, if there's a hiring. Uh, If not, I'll be back next week with some more news and reporting on this whole situation. Uh, So stay tuned for that.